This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. If you would, turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 5, epistle of 1 John chapter 5. Now today we come to the end of our series on 1 John. As pastors mentioned, this is the third time in the history of the church we've walked through the epistle of 1 John verse by verse. And I, I would encourage you in your Bible study, your devotional time, to read the entirety of 1 John, to even read the entirety of it, in one sitting, and to not only study 1 John, but to also study the epistle of James and Hebrews. And Hebrews is a lot to unpack, but the point is, these are three epistles that are under attack today in the church world. But the fact that they're under attack tells us that they are important, and there are things in these epistles that if you'll, you'll read, you'll study, you'll apply to your life and take action on, while people might be on the ditch in one side and the other, you can live a life of victory. And you can walk in God's best and his blessing in the midst of it all. Now as we begin today, since today's the conclusion of 1 John, we're going to hit some highlights from 1 John. We saw in chapter 1 that we are to walk in the light as he is in the light, as Jesus is in the light. In 1 John 2, beginning in verse 3, John writes, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. You know, there's a lie out there that says that we'll be blessed and we'll be blessed by God regardless of what we do, regardless of the choices and decisions we make, regardless of whether we obey or disobey, and that's nonsense. That's a lie. And if you buy into that, it'll lead you into the ditch. It'll bring about trouble and destruction in your life. John writes, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man that says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar. Now, that's some strong language, but that's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. So our obedience evidences the fact that we truly know God, our obedience evidence the fact that we truly love God, and our obedience evidences the fact that we're complete in Him. We could say it this way, like we see in the epistle of Hebrews, that we are pressing on toward maturity. Well, we're not dealing with the basics year after year after year. Well, we're not having to recommit our lives to the Lord every other week. We are pressing on to maturity we're walking in God's best. We're walking in victory. 1 John 2, 15. 
Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, recently my father asked Aaron Wood why there are some young people in their 20s or 30s and they grew up around us, but they, they seem to have a problem with my father. They seem to have a problem with Aaron or they seem to have a problem with me. And my father asked Aaron, you know, what are the two issues? And Aaron said, well, the first is drinking and the second is being discriminating in fellowship. You know, I can love someone without having to hang out with them. I can love someone and speak the truth and love to them without me being influenced by them. You know, there's a young man that I grew up with, and it, it, it's sad to me, but he's not living for the Lord. And he actually, he, he makes his money now off of this thing of booze, which no, no good comes from that. It wrecks and ruins lives. And so if he texts me on my birthday and says, hey, Austin, you want to get together for lunch? What's the answer? No. You might say, well, Austin, what if he wants to see you? And what if he wants to talk to you? Well, he can find me here at Faith Christian Center every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. He can talk to me out there in the atrium before or after any service or before or after church on Wednesday night. You know, he can stop by during the week and, you know, catch me out here, maybe going to and from the cafe to refill my coffee. Amen. People know where to find you when they need help. People know where to find you when they're ready to repent and to begin living for the whole Lord wholeheartedly, when they're ready to begin doing what's right. So to walk with God and to press on to maturity, you've got to give up this thing of wanting to be liked by the world and loved by the world and approved by the world and popular with the world. Our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said that if we are to follow him, we have to deny ourselves, we have to take up our cross, which is to do the will of God in your life, and we have to follow him. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said that if we, we try to save our lives, we're going to lose it, but if we give up our lives, we will find it. And so you have to give up this thing of wanting to be loved by the world and liked by the world and approved by the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James puts it this way in James 4.4, you adulterous people, don't you know, friendship with the world is hatred toward God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So we're to walk in the light. As John encourages us in 1 John chapter 1, we are to walk in the light. And we're living in days of darkness. The Bible says, Old Testament, New Testament, we're to come out from among them. From who? From the world. And we are to be ye separate. There ought to be something distinctive about our lives. We ought not look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, dress like the world. We ought not watch what the world watches. We ought not listen to what the world listens to. We ought not go to the same concerts the world goes to. Well, Austin, how come, how come some young people aren't a part of the Austin or Aaron bandwagon fan club because we stand for truth and we stand for righteousness but it's walking in the light that leads to a blessed life so you compromise you're going to have trouble you head down the road of sin you're going to have trouble 
1 John 2, 17, the world and its desires pass away, but the man who does. Why don't we say that? Say, say does. The man who does the will of God lives forever. Then verse 29, everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So somebody might say they love the Lord, but do they live the life? Somebody might say they love the Lord, but are they in church with their family on Sunday morning? So somebody might say they, they love the Lord, but are they living a righteous lifestyle? Didn't bring the verse to review. It's in chapter two. But John says that we are to practice righteousness. And that living that life evidences the fact that we're truly saved, that we truly know God, that we belong to him. Chapter three, beginning in verse one. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that's what we are. Praise God under the new covenant, we're not servants or slaves. We are sons and daughters with the full rights, the full benefits, the full privileges. Praise God under the new covenant, we're not outsiders looking in. We are insiders and every benefit and every blessing belongs to us. Verse two, dear friends, now we are children of God. And we know that what will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So you see that we are to live a life in which we purify ourselves. You might say, Austin, how do we do that? Have to walk in the light, have to walk in truth, have to walk in righteousness. You have to live a life that is obedient to God and obedient to his word. And as you do that, you purify yourself. The last song, Aaron Wood read a chapter out of Revelation. You find out in Revelation that every believer is given a garment, a white robe of salvation. And that is full of so much meaning. You know, we hear at St. Paul's, the kids wear uniforms. They don't wear white pants. The boys do not wear white pants. You know, my son, every little boy, you know, you get him a new pair of pants, and within a week, the, the knees on those pants are messed up. Why? Because they play, they, they play outside, they, they fall down, they roughhouse. Well, you, you, if they wore white pants, it would be a disaster. But the point is, we're, we're given a garment, a robe of salvation. It is white, which symbolizes purity. And we're to live such a life that we keep that garment, we keep that robe unstained by this world. Now, we're not perfect. And so when we sin, that's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You read into chapter two, though, read on to chapter two, we find out that the goal is that we not sin. That, that you, get, you come from the place where you're doing the same thing day after day and you step out of darkness into the light and begin living a life of obedience to God. And there's a message out there that's popular that living for the Lord means we call upon Jesus, we believe in Jesus, but our lives are the same. And we just keep living the way we've been living, doing what we've been doing, keep committing the same sin, sins day after day, week after week. If you live that way, you're not going to walk in God's best. You can walk in the light and you can live a life of victory. And this has everything to do with answered prayer. 1 John 3, 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, 
Why are there believers that have trouble praying in faith? Because their hearts condemn them. Why? Because they're not obeying God. They're not doing what the Word says. They're not walking in the light. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. See, Satan wants people to believe in the, to buy into the lie. They can live however they want. He wants them to buy into the lie that they can say they love God and not live for God. That they love God, they don't obey God. Because he knows that if they head down that road, their heart will condemn them. They won't have confidence when they pray and they'll never receive anything from God. So living the life has everything to do with answered prayer. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Why? Because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Praise God, Jesus in John's gospel spoke of the one that would be here with us. The Holy Spirit is our helper, our comforter, our counselor. He is the spirit of truth, not error, not nonsense, not, not weirdness, not the latest fad, the spirit of truth. And Jesus told us in John's gospel that he convicts, he leads us, he guides us, he directs us into all truth and understanding. He reminds us of everything Jesus taught and did. The Holy Spirit, and John, John tells us in 1 John, the Holy Spirit teaches us all things. He tells us what is yet to come, and he takes everything that belongs to Jesus, and he makes it known to us. He makes it ours. But see, you have to be willing to be led. You have to be willing to cooperate. You have to be willing to walk with him and to be led by him and to be guided by him. 1 John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Say, say I'm an overcomer. So you got to give up all the, the weak talk. You got to give up all the uh, sissy talk. got to give up all the, the I can'ts. got to give up the, all the defeatist talk. You know, I'm a loser, you're a loser, we're all losing together. Got to give up all that. You know, well, I sin, you sin, we all sin every day. What are, what are you, four, are you five? Got to give all that up. In Christ, we are to be overcomers. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. Say this, say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You know, last Sunday we dealt with sins unto death, and the point is you go to Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 26, you find out that if you come into the kingdom of God, if you give your life to Christ, but you willfully, habitually, without repentance, continue living a life of sin, you come to a place eventually where there is no longer any sacrifice for sins left. You come to a place where you enter into the judgment of God. And so we learn that to, to walk with him, we've got to give up the old. And you actually have to live this life as a new creation in Christ. But I, I said throughout the message last Sunday, you can do it. And why can you do it? Because you're not alone. You're not on your own. You're, you're born again. You're a child of God. You have the Holy Spirit. 
You have the help of the Holy Spirit. As Paul says elsewhere, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So give up the weak talk. Give up the defeated talk. You can do it, and you can overcome, and you can say no to sin. You can say no to temptation. If you just need help unfriending people, ask your wife. She'll be more than happy to help you. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7, 7, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. For everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 16, and So we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So as John says, we're to believe and we are to love. When we talk about love, we're talking about the love of God, which means that we live the life. We do what the word says. We obey God, and we come to chapter 5, and we find that out. Verse 2, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and by carrying out his commands. See, I've, I've met people, when you talk about love, they, they, they picture a lot of feel-good feelings, sentimentality, maybe may given lots of hugs, but from God's perspective, the love of God is to obey him and to obey his commands. Verse 3, this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Say, say it again. Say, I'm an overcomer. But it's obeying God that leads to the life of overcoming. It's doing what the word says and applying what the Bible says in every area of life that leads to a life of victory, that leads to a life of overcoming. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. So in Christ, you're an overcomer. And what is the overcoming lifestyle? It is the lifestyle of faith. You might say, Austin, you know, every year we, we do this where we write down our testimonies and we write down our faith goals for the new year. Why? Because we're always forcefully advancing. We're always believing God. We're always taking action. We're always making progress. And, and I know sometimes this, this can make some people uncomfortable. But, but if you're not forcefully advancing, if you're not making progress, if you're not believing God and stretching beyond yourself, you're dying. If you're not advancing, you're going backwards. So you got to give that up and say to yourself, my heavenly father has gifted me. He has talented. He has given me talents and he has a wonderful plan for my life that is so much greater than anything that I can imagine. And even if you might say you're satisfied, he, he wants to use you to do great things for the kingdom of God and in the lives of others. Say it again, say, I'm an overcomer. 
And the overcoming lifestyle is a lifestyle of faith, where we're always believing God, where there's always new testimonies, where there's always new things, greater things that we're believing God for. Praise God for everything that he did this year, but we're believing God for greater next year. So it's not a burden to serve the Lord. It's not a burden or a pain to walk with God. It is a blessing. Then we come to verse 14, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. How can you have confidence? He loves you. He's for you. He believes in you. We find out in John's gospel and in 1 John, everything that Jesus did, he did for us. So we can have confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his word, we know that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. And so when you pray, ask once, then from that point forward, believe you receive in faith. Why? Because John says we have what we have asked of him. Say, say I have it. Well, if you have it, you gotta act like it. Happy, joyful, with the praise of thanksgiving on your lips, acting like the word of God is so. If he's heard me, he's answered me. If he's heard me, I have it. If he's heard me and I have it, I don't have to ask again. If he's heard me and I have it, I don't have to be sad. If he's heard me and I have it, I can encourage someone else. So this gives us confidence. And then finally, we come to the conclusion of 1 John. Look down at 1 John 5 and verse 17. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. Now remember, as we learned last Sunday, the issue is willful, ongoing, continual, habitual, unrepentant sin. You gotta give it up. Tell your neighbor, say, give it up. Tell your other neighbor, say, say give it up. Because that, whatever it is, is hindering the blessings of God in your life. The Bible says in Proverbs that he who conceals his sins does not prosper. So again, obeying God's not a burden. It is a blessing. And he says, don't do that. Don't head down that road. Don't live that way. Not, not because God is against having fun, but he wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to live a happy life. He wants you to live a life of peace and joy and prosperity. But if you head down the road of sin, Paul tells us the wages of sin, it is death. Or as Jesus said in John's gospel, it's Satan's way, which leads to the stealing, the killing, and destroying. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. Again, the issue is willful, ongoing, habitual, unrepentant sin. So you, you made a mistake, you, you messed up, something happened, you got angry, said some words you shouldn't have said. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ask the Lord's forgiveness. And if you wrong someone, ask their forgiveness. If you wronged your husband or wife or maybe you didn't keep your word to a child, ask their forgiveness. 
Maybe you, you missed it at work or maybe you let someone down or maybe you, for, you were responsible for something and you dropped the ball. Do what no one does in this culture today. Take responsibility and ask forgiveness. Make it right. And so that's the issue. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. And so you see how evil that lie is that's out there. That grace means you just live however you want and you're going to be blessed no matter how much sin is in your life. That is wrecking and ruining and destroying the lives of any of God's people who believe that. What does the word say? We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe. Say, say this, say the Lord, he keeps me safe. So say the Holy Spirit, he warns me. Say, say the angels of God are round about protecting me. Well, we, we live in a sinful fallen world. We live in a wicked world. But Jesus said, said take heart, I have overcome the world. And even though this world is under the dominion of Satan, even though there are evil spirits, even though wickedness abounds, Jesus gave us authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. So praise God, the one born of God, he keeps us safe. And look at what he says, the evil one cannot harm him. Say, say Satan cannot harm me. But here's what believers do. They open the door through sin. They open the door through disobedience. They open the door through rebellion. They open the door through unbelief. And that's why this thing out there is so wicked. And it is, I'll use John's word, it is anti-Christ because it tells people, you just live however you want and you'll be blessed. But because they're living in sin and they're living in disobedience, they're actually opening the doors in their life to the enemy, to the devourer, to trouble, to stealing, killing, and destroying. But praise God, when we don't continue in sin, and when we walk in the light, the one born of God keeps us safe. And the evil one cannot harm us. Tell your neighbor, say, you have a part to play. Tell your other neighbor, say, you have a part to play. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That's why we just can't live however we want. That's why we just can't do whatever we want or go wherever we want. That's why you can't live a life of sin. That's why you can't walk in darkness. That's why you can't go to dark places and hang out with people involved in darkness. That's how trouble comes. The whole world is under the control of who? The evil one. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 calls Satan the little God, the little G-O-D of this world. When Satan tempted Jesus, one of the temptations, he said, I, I offer to you all the kingdoms of the world. How could Satan do that? Because Adam had handed his authority and dominion over to Satan. I'm sure on the news today, there are terrible stories. We live in a sinful fallen world. And John tells us the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So that's why here today, this Sunday, this second service, I'm pleading with you, walk in 
the light. I'm pleading with you. When disobedience is popular, obey God. When wickedness and sin and unholiness and impurity is popular, live a life that pleases God. Walk in righteousness. Because when you do that, and I didn't bring an umbrella, but when you do that, you got an umbrella over your life. You have a hedge of protection over your life. And as John says, the evil one, he cannot harm you. No harm shall befall me. So if you want to live a life that is under the hedge of protection of God, the blessing of God, the favor of God, you've got to walk with God. And if you're going to walk with God, that requires that you walk in the light, you walk in holiness, you walk in righteousness, that you live the life, that you live an obedient life unto God. And it's the life we have to live. Why? Because the whole world is under control of who? The evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Why don't we say this? Say, thank you, Heavenly Father, for sending your Son. Say this. Say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Say this. Say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling me. So, so we come to know these things. We come to know what the Word says. That makes us responsible. We can no longer live like we just got saved last Tuesday. We, we can no longer live like everybody else, but we are to walk with God. And then we come to the last verse. This is important. I'd mark this, I'd underline it, I'd, I'd highlight it. That's why you should have your own Bible. Verse 21, dear children, keep yourselves from idols. We live in a day of idolatry. And what is an idol? An idol is anything or anyone you put ahead of God. In Exodus 20, verse 3, you have the first of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, beginning in verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is love for God, to obey God. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. This is love for God to obey God. And we come to verse 21, which says, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And an idol is anything or anyone we put ahead of God or ahead of his word. Now, last Sunday, we dealt with sins unto death. And I explained a few Sundays prior that we live in a time where because of a wrong understanding of love, when maybe a a child or a young person or a family member or a relative heads down a road of sin, 
people set aside God or his word and because of a wrong understanding of love, they, they go along with that sin, whatever it is. Well, well, you're okay and, and you're accepted and you're approved and you're loved by God and, and maybe that sin won't keep you out of heaven. That is nonsense. And what is that at its root? It is idolatry because you're putting that person and their pet sin, whatever it is, ahead of God and ahead of his word. Can't do it. Can't head down that road. This past week, I disciplined one of our children. I said, I love you, and because I love you, I'm not going to, let you, I'm not going to allow or permit you to behave that way. You're getting a spanking, and here's why, and we're not gonna behave that way, we're not gonna act that way. And I, I'm, I'm telling you this because I love you. See, it's not godly biblical love to say, well, that's okay. Or you can live that way and make heaven. That is a lie. It leads people to hell. And that is in a form of idolatry. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. We live in a time where people have been, they've made being famous an idol. They've made celebrities an idol. The Bible says, John says, do not love this world or anything in the world. We live in a time where there is political idolatry. It is amazing to me. You know, the way my father raised me, when it's time to vote, you get the clothespin, the old-fashioned clothespin, you put it on your nose, you hold your nose, you go to vote, do your patriotic duty, do our best to vote for the lesser of two evils, but vote in line with the word of God, truth, righteousness, morality, but what is with this thing of, man, well, I'm a fan, and I got the T-shirt, and I got the hat. I thought we're supposed to promote Jesus. I thought we're supposed to promote God and the things of God. I, I thought our first love, it's in Revelation, our first love, return to your first love. Who is our first love to be? Jesus. The last few years, there was actually a political rally where they, they wheeled in a gold statue of a political candidate. Friends, I'm telling you, we are living in perilous days. And one of the greatest sins, one of the greatest sins going on is the sin of idolatry. The past few weeks, I was so grieved to hear a man, a political candidate referred to as the Lord's anointed one. It's Christmas. The anointed one is Jesus Christ. The anointed one is Emmanuel, God with us. And so I plead with you today as we, fi as we finish 1 John, give all of that up. Give all of that nonsense up. Do not love the world or anything in this world. Do not put your hope your trust in celebrities. Do not put your hope or trust in politicians. Put your hope, put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and live for him and love him. And as he says in Revelation, return to your first love. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and you've heard me speak about the goodness of God, but you'd say, Austin, I don't know God. I, I know I'm not a part of the family. I'm not 
a child of God. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes upon him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the lies out there is that if you're just kind of good enough, that's sufficient. You'll be in heaven someday. That's a lie. The Bible says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We have all transgressed the laws of God. Each and every one of us is in need of a Savior, and his name is Jesus. He is the anointed one. He is the one who was, who is, who is to come. And he is standing at the door of your life. And he's knocking. And if you open the door, you can ask him to come in. And he will come in and he will welcome you into the family of God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but I'd like to. I want to give him my life. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated. Raise your hand, raise it up high so I'll see it and I'll know. You want me to pray with you? Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. You might also be here today at a time in your life you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart you've not been living for God. You've been doing your own thing. And because of that, you have paid the price. But I bring you good news. When the prodigal son ran off and squandered all that is, he had been given his entire inheritance and he returned home, his father welcomed him with open arms. Friend, if you come home, our wonderful heavenly father, he will welcome you with open arms. The Bible says that he restores the years the locusts have eaten. He makes every crooked path straight. It is the mercy of God. My call to you today is to return to your first love. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I need to recommit my life, and I want to. That's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand, raise it up high, where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with the Lord today. For the sake of those watching or listening online, let's Pray. You might be watching your list. Say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. If you prayed that prayer, there's an address on the screen. Go to that address. We'd love to bless you with the Bible. If you don't have a Bible also, we'll send you a short book by my father called God's Very Own Child. It'll help you get started in living this new life for God. Well, I hope the message today was a blessing and encouragement to you. We're to promote Jesus. We're to celebrate Jesus. When people think of us, they, they ought to say, well, man, he's a Jesus person. 
She's a Jesus person. When they think of us, they ought, to, they ought to think, they ought to say, man, they're always talking about Jesus, 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 because that's what we're going to have to give an account for. Did we celebrate and make Jesus known?